can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn UN Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic, beautiful, lovely Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad that you have decided to join me here today. Whether you're listening to the podcast on any of the many great platforms where you can find the podcast, or if you're listening on terrestrial radio, like I don't know, say K-Y-A-H, K-Y-A-H, that's Utah's talk authority, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's 540 AM, yes, so thank you for joining me as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's talk authority, or maybe you're listening on one of the many great online platforms that is rebroadcasting the show as well, you know, platforms like the last frequency. You know, just to, to name a couple of my favorites, not that I want to play favorites, but 
There are reasons why they're at the top of the list. They're among the first to jump on those bandwagons, and they became part of the tap into the truth broadcast family. So, so have you by choosing to join me in this time, right now, regardless where you're listening at. So thank you. Okay. With that being said, what do you say we take a quick peek at what we've got going on today? Evidently, Hunter Biden had some Department of Defense encryption keys. We'll talk about that. The 25th Amendment is being talked about more and more. We'll talk about that. Uh, Joe Biden is planning on talking about having a brand new minimum tax. Uh, We'll talk about that. Also, raging impeachment addiction is a thing, according to Professor Dr. Turley. So we'll talk about that. And Elon Musk is talking about starting a brand new social media platform. And he's given plenty of indications that he plans on doing exactly that. So that's on the agenda for this uh, broadcast. Uh, Over the course of the next two hours, stay with me and we will get to all of them. For those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, you're most likely only going to get one hour at a time. Uh, This first hour today and hour number two will come up uh, tomorrow. So be sure to tune back in uh, for that if that's the only way that you get to hear the show. However, I would like to invite you to go ahead and track down the podcast anywhere you'd like if you just can't wait to hear the rest. All right, what do you say we jump into things right here, right now? I typically like to do a few quick hits, but I do want to cover these five different stories, so I'm probably not going to spend very much time dabbing in that arena. We're going to start right out with the uh, Hunter Biden's infamous laptop from hell. Evidently, This is being reported in lots of places, except, of course, in the mainstream legacy media right now. If you are looking at all those conservative uh, news outlets that are typically banned from most social media sites because they like to do things like give misinformation, you know, because when they were trying to tell you the truth about things like COVID-19 and the such, uh, well, you're seeing this story burning up that part of the Internet. However, if you're looking for the more civilized and more journalistic organizations, uh, then you're probably not hearing much about this. But according to these reports, Hunter Biden's laptop indeed did contain multiple slash many U.S. Department of Defense root encryption certificates, uh, better known as encryption keys, to the databases of the DOD. These keys... Many of them also had unusually long-term expiration dates, with several of them lasting up to 20 years or more. Now, this, of course, uh, is information that was discovered during a deep forensic investigation done over the last couple of weeks by Jack Maxey and his team in Switzerland. situation, in my mind, raises just a few questions, right? These are questions that every American should be granted the answer to. We have a right to know. Question number one. Why? Why, oh, why, someone tell me, why did Hunter Biden have a number of Department of Defense encryption codes to allow him access to the national security data? In fact, why did he have even one? Hunter Biden is the son of of then Vice President of the United States. So, did he get access? 
obviously, but why? I mean, one could ask the same question, why was information that was concealed on the Hillary Clinton private server involving her emails while she was Secretary of State end up on Carlos Danger's uh, laptop? You know, Anthony Weiner, a.k.a. Huma Abedin's husband at that point in time. Likes to be called Carlos Danger. That's his online uh, persona. Yeah, okay, so there's question number one, and I think it's a very good question. I think it's a question that we all should be asking. I think it's a question that should not be waiting to be asked. It should be first question out the gate come Monday for the presser. Don't know if any of these folks are going to have the courage to do more than uh, just once again ask if anything's going to be done about Hunter's laptop, which they now completely admit is legitimate. They're pretty sure at this point in time that Hunter is, in fact, going to be indicted on criminal offenses. So they're trying to get ahead of that story so they can try to, to talk about how it's old news and how it still doesn't relate to the big guy, a.k.a. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. You better, probably better know him as, I don't know, such endearing monikers as Creepy Hansy Uncle Joe, Barely There, Beijing Biden. Yeah, yeah, the guy who's currently installed as the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Let me make it as simple as possible. He's the guy that the media and the political left in this current country currently recognize as being the president. You know, legitimate outcome of elections be damned. He's the guy they put installed, and, you know, the rest of us have to live with the consequences. Now, okay, that's just the first question, though. Let's ask another question. Did Hunter Biden give anyone else access to this information? Because when you are an influence peddler, and I think we're all pretty certain at this point, Hunter Biden is exactly that. That is how he made the money that he made. There's nothing else, nothing else in his work history that could possibly explain him being able to do the deals he did in the places that he did them and come away with more than a couple of dimes. He had no experience, no expertise. In fact, the biggest thing on his resume was getting booted out of the military because of his addiction to drugs. That was literally the most impressive part of his resume to that point in time. All right, so you, we, you appear to have tried to get past your addictions. That, that takes a lot of courage to at least be able to gain the appearance of being beyond them, takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. So that's impressive, Mr. Biden. And by the way, if your daddy ever gets a better job, maybe he can help us too. So in the course of influence peddling, did he ever take a check in exchange for one of these uh, encryption keys? Or more than one? I probably the biggest question, although uh, I do have at least one more after this, but probably the biggest question, who is it exactly that gave Hunter Biden these encryption keys? I mean, these are codes that literally allow the person who has them to access the Department of Defense databases. And depending on which database you want to get into, evidently he had at least a couple for nearly all of them, understanding that there's more than one database for the Department of Defense, where they keep 
different information, about different projects, about different information, almost all of which is vital to national security. How did Hunter Biden get this? Someone gave it to him. So the biggest question out of all of these is who? Who gave Hunter Biden these encryption codes? And then one that's a little more utilitarian, I suppose. But it also leaps right out. You probably already asked it as soon as I told you that some of them lasted 20 years or longer. And that's why do the codes, why do these encryption keys have long-term expiration dates? I mean, the usual practice to provide a user access only during his, quote, need-to-know period of time, with the time that they're in the job. That's usually not more than two or three years. Two or three years is like previous to this, as far as us and the public are aware, had been the extent of it. Not a lot of people get these encryption codes if they need them for their work, if they're doing security work, if they're doing stuff that is vital to national security for the Department of Defense, they typically only get access for a maximum of two to three years. I mean, I really want to know, what is this? I'm sitting here scratching my head. I do not understand. These are encryption codes with so much national security implication where do we where do we go with this how can anyone in the biden administration justify this as being a real thing that has happened how can anyone in the just in the uh, biden administration justice department or any other part uh, justify not moving forward not proceeding with this information and when you consider When you consider that this laptop was in the hands of the Justice Department before Joe Biden took over, doesn't that lead to a few more questions? I mean, first of all, we know that the mainstream media, the legacy media, did everything they could to prevent the acknowledgement of the laptop even existing uh, before the election. You know, they bent over backwards. They closed down accounts. They prevented the oldest newspaper in the country from posting anything in order to keep them from posting that story. They put people like me in Facebook jail for 30 days for posting that story. And then they immediately took it from my timeline and prevented me from putting it back up once my 30 days were up. And if they wanted to make sure I couldn't do it, I can only imagine what they did to people who have a much larger reach than I do. You're not allowed to talk about this on social media. Your accounts will be canceled. You will be ended. That's it. Silenced. You want to talk about manipulating an election, rigging an election? Well, that's rigging the election because we had the poll numbers immediately after. The poll numbers of people who voted for Joe Biden, who never once heard about the Hunter Biden laptop story, who then turned around and said that had they known about that, 
they would not have voted for Joe Biden. Not necessarily would they have voted for Trump, but if they had put that vote anywhere else or just simply decided not to vote, it was enough to change the outcome of the election according to the numbers that we were given, whether those be legitimate or not so legitimate, depending on where you sat on that issue. Didn't matter. Either way, it was enough. So the election was rigged by uh, Twitter and Facebook, if nothing else. Anyone who doesn't want to acknowledge that fact is not acknowledging reality from the left. There's plenty of people on the right that also understand that uh, even, even so, those numbers are not, not the appropriate numbers to have been counted. But I have to be careful. Because now I'm starting to sound like a, a January 6th insurrectionist. How dare I? Well, how dare you? You want to sit there and defend Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and his incompetence and his un-American behavior? His refusal to acknowledge that he is the reason inflation began uh, smacking us upside the head the way it has? His refusal to acknowledge that his policies are anti-American energy and anti-American in energy independence? Oh, no, that's not on me. There are over 9,000 leases that they're not doing anything with. Yes, well, first you get the exploratory lease, and then you have to get the, the lease to do the other stuff. And, uh, you know, not every exploratory lease amounts to anything. You refuse to, to do the auctions, the bidding, whatever the procedure is. I forget the name that's assigned to it, but you refuse to allow new exploration. It has been Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. leading the way, or at least he's the freaking front man for this globalist organization that currently runs the White House. Although, given his gaffes, while he was in Poland, I think it made it pretty clear, given the way the White House has responded, that it is the policy of the White House not to seek regime change. I think that that language in and of itself should tell you everything you need to know. Joe Biden is not running the show in the White House, guys. This regime is not being led by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. or Kamala Harris. They're being led by the group of woke activists that were part of the Obama clique that are still running things. That's what's happening in the White House at this moment. The fact that they have the nerve and the gall to come out and so boldly and openly, openly say, no, it is not the policy of the White House. I'm sorry. Guys, the way this is supposed to work, Joe Biden is the person that sets the policy for the White House. And he's allowed to change his mind at any given point in time. He's allowed to have been uh, all pro-Ukraine, 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 and then all of a sudden, drop of the hat, maybe a new piece of information comes along and says, you know what, maybe, maybe Putin really wasn't the bad guy here. Now, all of a sudden, I'm pro-Putin and anti-Ukraine. And as the president, he can do that. The White House doesn't get a say in the matter. Joe Biden does. He's the president. The one you lefties installed. 
And now you come in front of the cameras and say, well, it's not the policy of the White House. Guess what? The policy of the White House is the policy of Joe Biden, period. It's insanity. And speaking of insanity, that's why you've been hearing more and more uh, clamoring about the possibility of engaging the 25th Amendment. More and more chatter concerning possibly removing Joe Biden from the White House, of course, was all over the place online this weekend. This after Biden on multiple occasions seemed to uh, basically just blurt out escalation talk when it comes to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. All of which, in stark contrast, literally just the opposite of what the White House messaging has been. One instance, Biden told a group of American troops in Poland that they were going to see the backbone and guts of the Ukrainian people when you're there. When you're there. Not that you're going to get to see from here in Poland, not in Ukraine. But when you're there, as in you will be in Ukraine. Now, the suggestion, of course, is that the U.S. was about to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. This, of course, in contrast with what the White House statements and talking points have been. The currently installed president also sparked controversy when he seemed to be calling for regime change in Russia, which, again, comes in contrast with White House messaging. Saying, quote, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. Now, Biden was talking about Vladimir when he said this. Now, Biden once again begins with some stupid stab at humor. We're quoting uh, David Limbaugh right now. This is so unnerving, having this man, quote, lead the free world at this point. This isn't my political side speaking. This is objectively dangerous and a host of other bad things. Honestly, the 25th Amendment was created, was crafted for just such a situation as we are in right now with Biden. Now, David Limbaugh also asserted, quote, yet at least two things, at least Two things meditate against this from happening. Number one, his handlers are running things anyway. And number two, Kamala Harris, though not mentally incompetent, is just stupid. Could be worse. Hard to argue with Dave on that. Yesterday, Biden said American troops have been fighting in Ukraine and more are headed to fight there, uh, author Max Abrams tweeted on Saturday. Today, Biden said the goal of U.S. policy to Russia is regime change. Uh, recall the media called for the 25th Amendment when Trump sipped water or walked down ramps carefully. Now, there were more reaction. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going down other people's reactions to this, but uh, I'm kind of hard-pressed to come up with a reason 
why somebody shouldn't be calling for the end of this presidency. This administration clearly does not have a front man that is worthy of being in front of anybody. He can't handle himself in front of the crowd. He can't put together clear-cut sentences anymore. He forgets what decade he is in. This is not the foreign policy of the current leftist globalist agenda, Joe, which, by the way, maybe you don't realize this. Maybe you're having one of your senior moments, but you are aptly and fully part of. I was talking with Ron Edwards earlier today. I was a guest on his show, as is per the custom on Sundays. Today, time of the live broadcast being Sunday. And I made the comment that it is absolutely astounding how many different juxtapositions the globalist left can hold at one time on a single issue. And the answer to that seems to be infinite. Because every time we think they've hit a limit, they find a way to tack on a few more. How can you have so many juxtapositions in place? How can you be full-blown globalist? and uh, still want to remove all the tariffs on Chinese products. China, not a globalist organization. They're anti-globalist. They're very much nationalist. They will eventually have to be dealt with in the minds of the globalists. And in the meanwhile, in the minds of the Chinese... The globalists will eventually have to be dealt with. So they're more than happy being enriched by their potential future enemies because it helps make them stronger. And, of course, the globalists are happy to have such cheap products available. Why? Why are the products so cheap? Well, again, the leftists here in this country talk about how they're all about protecting good paying Union, American jobs, but but the whole time, they would rather give China that pricing advantage products here, knowing that the reason China can afford to do that is because they're engaging in slave labor. It's that simple. You know, slave labor, they have concentration camps that the uh, Uyghur Muslim populations having to live in, having to work through. Having to be forced sterilized because of who they are. They're not even not even in an attempt to indoctrinate these people anymore because they can't undo the indoctrination of Islam. This kind of hard to change once it's been hardwired for a while. And there's no point wasting that kind of energy, right? Uh, Chinese have plenty of other people. So, you know, human rights violations by China making prices cheaper. Okay, as long as there's a good reason that lets us line our pockets, we'll look the other way. And China's okay with that, too, because of their basic policy of little bad mouth, a lot of help. And that's what they're getting from all of these globalists, not just here in the United States, but sadly, Plenty of folks in the United States, Joe Biden included. Hey, Joe, can you ask Hunter if China is one of the places where maybe one of these DOD encryption keys ended up at? No, not just one. Absolutely, positively not one, because there were actually several of them. Okay. 
Right. But but there's no reason to impeach you for that. Because that would mean we have to admit we've been up to something. But we can impeach you if you keep escalating the situation. If you keep talking about regime change, even though that's what we're talking about in the private meetings, you're not allowed to go out there and blurt it out in public, Joe. You see, it's just how they want to go about regime change. You're not supposed to go say the quiet part out loud. You cannot negotiate a peace with a dictator... No matter what that dictator's motives may be, for good, for bad, for ill, for whatever, you can't negotiate an end of hostilities with that individual who's calling the shots if you're publicly calling for his end of power. He's worked too long and too hard to get it. He's not going to just negotiate that away. You're basically guaranteeing that the conflict's going to continue. And that's the kind of thing that's supposed to go on behind closed doors. You know, a lot of the capitalists in this so-called anti-capitalist regime are making all kinds of money uh, thanks to the stock market. So on and so forth. All right, I'm glancing at the uh, the clock here, and I have very nearly already run past the... Uh, the uh, <laughs> halfway point of this hour so let's go ahead and take a break and i will be uh, right back you guys don't go anywhere we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been and then to make the possible actually happen you're listening to tap into the truth My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe. Now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new kind of dream. You can rest your head on the corner of your bed. You can watch the world go by. But you're never gonna see what the other people see. If you're always going to be a line dog face pony soldier. I'm from the government and I am here to help you. That's one of the most frightening statements one can either hear or read from the government. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. The Founding Fathers understood and fought for our unalienable rights, amongst which are privacy. Privacy includes your personal information, identification, medical records, etc. But government leftist pigs everywhere have always wanted to be knee-deep in your personal business. Leftists believe they have some ordained right to control you from cradle to grave. That's why the government in Ontario, Canada, without the consent of the people there, hopes to roll out Digital identification ranging from driver's licenses to passports and everything in between. So they can keep track of and control every aspect of the lives of Ontario residents. Of course, government leftists here in the United States would probably like to similarly digitalize our personal identification information, including bank accounts. Hopefully the people of Ontario will stand strongly against that effort at setting an example for what we should be doing here in the United States. I'm Ron Edwards. 
Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. continue with today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. But before we jump into that, I would like to remind each and every one of you that we do have a giveaway upcoming. Uh, A.J. Wright's new book, The Woking Dead, will be available in July. That's when we'll be giving away copies. Uh, We will be making an official announcement either at the very end of this month or at the very beginning of next month. Give you guys plenty of time to get into the action and be part of this giveaway and have a chance to win one of these uh, copies of this really great book. If you're not familiar with A.J. Rice, let me tell you, you will not regret having a copy of his work in your library. A.J. is a great guy who's been working hard to make sure that uh, hosts like me have uh, great uh, guests. And he's also been working very hard to make sure that uh, we have outlets for our expression, our writing. He's done a lot to help uh, procure some of the uh, places where my articles have been published. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty daggum good writer himself, as well as being someone who works well in the publishing industry. He does great publicity for folks that are trying to get out there. And this time, this time the work is his own. And uh, with uh, the samples that I've seen to this point, it is going to be one that every conservative or even someone who is just center will want to have in their library. I just have it. And you know what? I will put a link in today's show description that will take you to the uh, pre-purchase page. So you can order in advance from Amazon if you so choose. And uh, if you want to go ahead and do that, you at the very least can check out and see what the book's about. If you decide to go ahead and pre-order, all the better. Because then you'll help send a message to the mainstream legacy media. You'll help send a message to the leftist political operatives in this country and globally. And you'll send a message to Amazon itself that we really, really like having that content available to purchase. Because we believe in conservatism. We believe in America. Also, like to take a moment to remind you that uh, if you're going to enjoy the blessings of individual liberty, then you have to take individual responsibility, and a part of that is being self-sufficient. 
Nobody's been helping you to be self-sufficient longer than my Patriot Supply. So I'm going to ask you to uh, check out the link in today's show description to copy the entire link, no matter where you're seeing it at. Uh, several places will have a partial live link, but if you hit that partial link, it will not let them know who sent you. So copy the entire link that you see in the show description, paste that in your web browser, and then visit. That'll let them know I'm the one that sent you. Then it can go from a win-win uh, for you and them. They get a great new customer. That's you. You get some really great product that's going to help you to be safe and secure and prepared in the event of the worst. Uh, that's them. They're providing that for you. And uh, then we get into that magical realm of that third win. Uh, they will know that I'm the one that sent you, so I'll get a tiny commission on the sale. And that goes to help support the show. And so the show gets to continue and get bigger and stronger and reach more people and, you know, all that good stuff that comes with supporting the show. So please, whatever links you see in the show description, just copy the whole thing. Unless you can tell that the whole thing is live. Now, if the whole thing is live, you can just click it, and that's fine. But if you see any part that's clearly part of the link that's not live, when you see it in the description, just copy the whole thing, paste it in your web browser, go from there. Or if you're listening to the radio right now and you don't have a chance to uh, go over to uh, your web browsing device, handheld, laptop, uh, desktop, wherever you do your computing from, uh, then uh, a little bit later on, do the very easy to remember thing, and that's visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T A P P into the truth, all one word, dot com. And from there, you can scroll down past recent guests, and then you will see buttons and banners for all those things and uh, several other things. And you can click on those and uh, go visit, and they'll work just the same as having hit the link in the show description. So I know it's not as easy as it's going over and say, hey, uh, let me type in this promo code, but uh, it's still not too much effort. So if you don't mind, I'd appreciate it. All right, with that being said, we're going to presume that between now and Monday afternoon, the 25th Amendment is probably not going to be triggered. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is most likely going to remain in his current installed office for at least a few more days. So... On Monday, which may be the first time some of you guys are hearing this broadcast, we are expected to get a uh, new bit of information regarding Joe Biden and his tax plans. According to reports, Biden is expected to unveil a brand new tax that's part of his budget for 2023 that takes aim at America's wealthiest individuals. They're calling it the Billionaire Minimum Income Tax. Now, this minimum tax plan under Biden would establish a 20% minimum tax rate on all American households worth more than $100 million. All right, so I, I love how this is going to manage to not hit a lot of these Democrats that are currently in office that are millionaires. And I'm sorry, they call it the billionaire minimum tax, but I'm pretty sure that $100 million is quite a bit below a billion. 
maybe, maybe this is me just being silly. I mean, we've come to expect misnaming of legislation, right? I mean, it's pretty much the opposite of whatever they're calling it. This isn't a true opposite, but it certainly doesn't seem to fit the bill of targeting billionaires. Anyway, the plan would uh, mandate that billionaires, or in this case anybody with a household worth more than $100 million, would pay a tax rate of at least 20% on their full income or the combination of traditional forms of wage income and whatever they may have made in unrealized gains like higher stock prices. Now I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to remind you, we pointed out on multiple occasions here on this show, and I know I'm not the only person pointing this out, but in case you've missed it, in case you've been under a rock somewhere, maybe you didn't hear this, but when we talk about unrealized gains, you're talking about hypotheticals. If I buy a, uh, a share of stock in some company that I think is going to do really well, and I spend $5 on that share, I'm using this just to make it simple. And then in two months, they make a big announcement about an acquisition that suddenly moves them to be the top player in their market. So that $5 stock now suddenly increases in value to $25 in a very short period of time. Now, I have a huge unrealized profit. Right? Are you with me so far? I want to take a moment let you think about it. It's suddenly worth $20 more than it was when I bought it. And so if I bought several stocks, I can have a lot of money that I've suddenly earned, made, gotten, except it's still theoretical. It only becomes my money. It only becomes money that I am worth when I cash that in. So if I go ahead and pull the trigger then, well, okay, you can tax me for that gain. It's called capital gains tax. But if I don't cash in on it because I'm thinking, well, this could still get to 35 or, you know, if they keep moving just right, maybe even 105. So why should I pull the trigger now? Are you really going to tax me again for every dollar that goes up, even though it's money I don't have? Well, according to this plan, evidently, yes. But here's the really fun part. As most of you at least know about the stock market, even those of you who aren't anywhere near it, don't invest, don't follow it, never got educated on it. And, and I'm not cracking on you. I'm just saying that if you're not into the market, maybe you don't have a need to know how it works that much. So you haven't bothered. That's okay. You got plenty of other things to keep track of. I'm not talking down to you, but here's my point. Now, that stock was up $20 more in value when Joe Biden decides to come and tax me for it. But then terrible news, a tsunami comes and wipes out corporate headquarters, uh, and then there's a bunch of lawsuits, and then they find out that uh, all the whatever this company did really wasn't working out the way it was being promised that it was working. So now that stock tanks. Now that stock which can get into the negatives, 
They just pretty much wipe it off the board at that point. It's like, okay, uh, you, have you ever heard of a penny stock? Those are stocks that are typically less than a dollar. Lots of penny stocks started out at one point in time with an initial offer where they may have been in the 20s, 40s. In fact, I've had a couple of stocks in my portfolio where I paid $23 for, and sadly, certain things happened in the market, and they went defunct. Companies went out of bounds, so then those stocks just – technically, I still own that stock, but it's worthless stock, and the company doesn't exist anymore. So all the value that I had went away. So my capital gains would be in a negative. That actually would be a loss. Now, am I supposed to wait till there's a loss to, to cash that stock out? Well, it doesn't matter now because you're having to pay the tax on the unrealized gain. That, my friends, is unimaginable. That should not be allowed, but they have talked themselves into a position of making people believe that it makes perfect sense. Jeff Bezos is worth all these millions of dollars partially because of his stock. Yes, but he doesn't have that money. Elon Musk did a little uh, did a little example of this when he actually cashed out a big chunk of his stock and then turned around and paid taxes on it to prove the point that that's not real dollars until you turn it into real dollars. Unrealized gains are exactly that. They are unreal. They do not exist until you cash out. If you hold on to that stock forever, it literally never means anything other than the fact that at that given moment in time, it could be worth that. But if you don't have the dollars... How does any agency, government or otherwise, feel legitimately permitted to go in and uh, tax you on it? Well, they're trying to eliminate a, a haven, a, a tax dodge. Is it a tax dodge or are they investing in corporations, which in turn helps strengthen the economy? Because that's how our economy works. The stock market helps to provide a lot of capital for companies that need it, that allow them to move to a higher level of competitiveness or to a higher level of being able to employ individuals who need those good-paying jobs that they keep promising. It helps to pay for innovation. That gets us to that next level, that new technology, that next great thing. It drives everything positive about a free market. Despite what certain leftists and would-be socialists slash communists would have you to believe, it's a good thing, and it empowers people, and it gives people opportunity. But you're going to crush it. You're going to destroy that level of investing if suddenly you're going to start taxing people on unrealized gains. Now, according to the report here, it says that billionaires would have to pay the difference between what they are paying now and the 20% rate, assuming that they're paying under 20%. Now, if they're already paying more than 20%, then they wouldn't owe anything additional under the proposal. In other words, you're already surpassing the new minimum tax, so we're not going to hit you anymore. Just pay your 25, 30, 45% of your total income rate. It's okay. Now, the billionaire minimum income tax 
will ensure that the very wealthiest Americans pay a tax rate of at least 20% of their full income. Uh, this quoting from a White House document. This minimum tax would make sure that the wealthiest Americans no longer pay a tax rate lower than teachers and firefighters, which we've demonstrated multiple occasions here, and you've probably seen it other places too, that statistically that's not really accurate. If you cherry-pick one specific tax, and then you cherry-pick uh, teachers or firefighters that are living in democratically controlled high-tax areas, then you can twist the numbers to make it look like that's the case. But if you're only looking specifically at federal income tax, which is this is supposed to be, right, if you narrow it down, it's just not true because these billionaires – can be paying a percentage that's lower because they manage to put their money into charities and put their money into investments, which in turn help to create jobs and fuel the economy. And still, with 5% of their income, pay way more in actual dollars in taxes than what those firefighters and teachers are paying. Now, if you want to reduce the taxes on the firefighters and the teachers, uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you deciding you want to reduce taxes on anybody at any point in time. Go ahead. Reduce them. Make the government more lean. That sounds good to me. This report, it said that the new proposal claims that it would raise more than $350 billion over the next 10 years if it's passed. I'd like to know how they got to those numbers. Where is that money coming from? Senator Elizabeth Warren, she released a separate proposal last year that would tax the wealthiest, albeit in a different ways. Ms. Warren had championed the idea of a wealth tax in her unsuccessful presidential campaign. More moderate Democrats, uh, Democrats like Kristen Sinema of Arizona, they've kind of balked at raising the corporate tax rate or lifting the top marginal income tax rate to that 39.6% uh, to a full 37%, uh, leaving the party with eh, not very many options when it comes to raising new revenue. Still, folks like Senator Joe Manchin, uh, West Virginia's favorite Democrat, slammed the idea of taxing billionaires after Mr. Wayden's proposal to do so was released, although uh, Mr. Manchin has since suggested he could support some type of billionaire's tax. At the end of the day, if you're supporting a tax on the wealthy, then you need to have, first of all, a constitutional design on how you go about doing it. If you really want to raise taxes, then uh, why aren't you instituting a minimum tax on the individuals that currently get away without having to pay any. And I'm not talking about uber-rich uh, folks that you claim aren't paying any taxes. I'm talking about the individuals that you give so many deductions to and so many credits to that they end up getting back way more than is ever collected in their name. You collect $350 worth of taxes from uh, 
from uh, Jeff over here across the street because he worked part-time for a little while, and that's all he decided he wanted to work. Even though he was able-bodied, he could have done all kinds of stuff, but he wanted to take advantage of all the kindness of the Joe Biden administration. Why should he have any less skin in the game than the rest of them? Well, I'll tell you why. From a political standpoint, they're going to say it's because they care about the poor, but at the end of the day, they want the poor, they want the masses, they want the majority of individuals that they feel like they can control. They want them feeling beholden to the Democratic uh, Party. They want them to continue to vote for them because otherwise they're going to have to find a way to come up with the money to pay for taxes on top of everything else. And... By trying to keep them voting Democrat forever in their own best interest, their own self-interest, not their best interest, but their self-interest at that moment in time because they don't have the money to, to do it. They're also going to keep them from taking a position of caring what the Democrats are doing with those tax dollars. Because if you're not paying in any of it, why should you care what they're doing with any of it? Those of us who are taxpayers, we're the ones who have skin in the game. So we're the ones who have a voice uh, in opposition when the government decides they want to waste money. And there's, there's only two things that the federal government is really good at doing. One is literally ruining everything they try to accomplish, and the other is wasting taxpayer dollars. That's why it's just a scary thing when you hear somebody say, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Because they never help anything. Ever. Not once. And unfortunately for most of us, not only do we get to say that about our federal government, but we can also say that about our state governments and maybe our county governments and maybe the municipality that you live in. Because if you're run by a particular party, the odds are high that they're all trying to do the exact same thing, tax you to death and figure out a way to make it seem like it's the other guys that are doing it. You know, if it wasn't for the Republicans doing this, we wouldn't have to tax you so much. Ooh, oh no, those mean Republicans, we're so mad at you, even though there aren't any of you on the city council currently. Oh, you guys are still, you have so much power that even when you're not in office, that that you force these really good, well-meaning people to do these mean things to us. Oh my. Meanwhile, if you just keep electing Democrats, they're going to try to convince you that. Everything is awesome. And so it is. As long as you believe in that. As long as you buy into the bovine excrement that they're selling. As long as you're buying in to that bat guano that they're trying to fill your cave full of. As long as you're willing to buy from me that beachfront property in Nevada. Lots and lots of beach. Now you might have to walk a good piece before you run into any ocean. But lots of beach. Going to buy that beachfront property for me in uh, Nevada. If you want to buy into that logic, then, you know, there's not much I can do to help you. There's really not. Joe Biden wants to tax the rich, and part of this plan is to count unrealized gains. That's like suggesting that, you know, if you go buy a CD at the bank, then I'm going to go ahead and tax you based on what your CD is supposed to be worth when it matures. No, not doesn't matter if you end up having to cash it in early and you pay penalties and, and don't get 
uh, your full promissory amount if you had left it there. That's irrelevant. And no, you're not going to get a rebate. You're not going to get anything back from us. Where you just you bought a CD. This is what it should be worth. You bought it for twenty bucks. It should be worth twenty five bucks when you cash it in in a few years. We're gonna we're gonna tax you based on you have twenty five dollars. All right, and that to everything else that you've got. It's insanity. I don't know what else to say. All right, well, I see that we're getting very close to the end of the first hour, so. For those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, great states across the country like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. I'm going to have to say goodbye for now. For the rest of you, if you're listening to the podcast or if you are listening, well, just about anywhere else, because uh, I know right now the last frequency will often play the two hours together now. But if that's where you're listening uh, over there on terrestrial radio, uh, then I'm going to have to say goodbye to you right now. But remember, tune back in again tomorrow to get to hear uh, hour number two, because I'm going to continue. So if you are listening to the podcast or listening to The Last Frequency, stay right where you're at. Hour number two probably will start right after this. In the meanwhile, uh, you know, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain. If you really want to tap into the truth. So uh, stay healthy, uh, stay safe, you know, if you can. And uh, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. State son to love the flag and own a gun, warned about the greed within the mass. They met beneath the moonlit sky, a college party drunk and high, and when they had degrees, they said their vows. He couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. And had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why he was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less
They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why. They're different in your eyes. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I am coming to you directly from Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, we're out here in East Tennessee, and we are having all kinds of great weather today. It's enough to make you feel, I don't know, uh, it's enough to make you feel like maybe, maybe it's just the best part of the country, period. Maybe. But then you go travel. Then you start seeing there's a lot of other really great parts of the country, too. And you know what? The other thing that you get to find out is 
There's a lot of great people in this country. It's easy if you don't get out and about to, to let these, well, I can't think of a nice word to call them at the moment. We'll just say people. It's real easy to let these people get us all wound up and, and worked up about folks from other places and let them separate us. Let them put us in little boxes. Let them put their labels on us and everyone else. And uh, sadly, usually those labels don't even truly apply. That's why I try to make every effort to use the correct labels when I you do use them. You know, like I'm very cautious when using the word liberal because most of the leftists that are operating in the body politic in this country right now, they're not liberals. Liberals believe in free speech, freedom of expression. They do not want to silence you. If you feel differently than that, you're not a liberal. And sadly, right now, there are a ton of conservatives that are way more liberal on that fact than most of the leftists. It is a tragedy. Anyway, the point is, there's always somebody nearby that you can count on. There are more strangers that are willing to do good things than there are people that are looking to take advantage of you. Now, if you're living in certain parts of the country, it might be really hard to believe that. But I assure you, when it comes to the majority of the people in this country across the entire from sea to shining sea nation of the United States of America, that is the case. And I truly hope that one day you will get to see that for yourself. doesn't mean that you get to let your guard down. It doesn't mean that you get to let yourself become a victim to those individuals who would not play that part. Just, uh, you know, don't prejudge. Let folks prove to you who and what they are. All right. Now, uh, we were talking back in the first hour, and for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, uh, then you missed the first hour. It most likely aired yesterday in the same time slot. So you're getting to hear the second hour of a broadcast that took place live on uh, March 27th, 2022, it's Sunday. Back in the first hour, we were talking about how a lot of people on the interwebs are uh, talking about uh, triggering the 25th Amendment. Basically saying, okay, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is no longer capable due to mental incapacity of fulfilling his duties and responsibilities as the individual who has been installed and we are pretending is the president of the United States. I mean, in a lot of ways, with leftist logic, it makes sense. Uh, Joseph, Joseph is currently identifying as president, so we have to play along, right? That is the leftist idea. Well, as much as some people are talking about impeachment for Joseph Biden— and then others are talking about removals of the 25th Amendment. He's not the only person who's in the crosshairs. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley has laid into the left's recent calls to impeach the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Jonathan Turley said that, uh, that they were... These, these calls were indicative of a, quote, raging impeachment addiction. 
Now, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told Ron Edwards when I was on the Ron Edwards American Experience earlier today, at the time of the live broadcast, again being on Sunday. And they were talking about trying to impeach Clarence Thomas because of what Clarence Thomas's wife had said, which when you actually read the text and the emails that are involved, there is nothing that even enters the realm of questionability. I mean, there's nothing in here that is provocative. It was just a statement in her profound belief that if the American people were to find out to what full extent things were occurring, that it would overturn the election. Now, that's a belief that I happen to have as well. Now, I'm not some insurrectionist. I'm not showing up on January 6th, breaking into the Capitol building, demanding the heads of anyone or any of this uh, other nonsense that one or two people did. A bunch of other people just kind of walked around uh, acting like tourists who had gotten separated from their guides. And, uh, you know, suddenly they're all treated like the worst kind of criminal. They should have known better than to follow and go in. Should have known that that's not the way that we should deal with this issue at that point in time. There may very well come a time when the appropriate things becomes to take up arms. I still don't believe we're at that point yet. And maybe that's just me being naive. Maybe that's just me still wanting to believe in the best. You know, I did kind of start off the show talking about how people were nice in this country. So, you know, again, what do I know, right? But I'm going to tell you that their effort here to try and impeach Clarence Thomas really doesn't have anything to do with what his wife said. They don't care what emails his wife is sending. They wouldn't even begin for a hot second to talk about uh, what Hillary Clinton was emailing when Bill Clinton was president and claimed that that, that was grounds for a Clinton impeachment. No. They'd be like, yeah, you're crazy. Uh, Hillary is entitled to her opinions, but beyond that, she's not the president. How dare you come after the president over something his wife said or did? But, see, they want this excuse because Clarence Thomas is the sole remaining judge sitting on the Supreme Court that is a true, honest-to-goodness originalist. He doesn't want to buy into reinterpreting. He doesn't want to buy into the idea of a living, breathing document. He knows that the principles that the document was written and founded upon haven't changed. Circumstances may have. Technology may have. But the principles, the founding principles of this nation has not changed, period. That's the type of leadership. That's a lot of thought that we need in a Supreme Court justice, and we need one remaining because all the other, all the other justices that are considered to be conservative, they're not a slam dunk on conservative principles. They're not a slam dunk on constitutional originalism. We'd like to think that Amy Cody Barrett might be, but she said some things, and she's come down with some rulings in her history before arriving to the Supreme Court where we have to kind of scratch our head and say, does that really sound very conservative or very constitutional to you? Now, sometimes maybe the devil is in the detail. Maybe sometimes her interpretation of the Constitution takes her to a different place where the rest of us would be because she's a scholar. 
And I want to offer up that benefit of the doubt. But I do know for a fact that when it comes down to it, I want decisions that are based on the Constitution. Clarence Thomas is one of the few left. And now, now that the left knows that they can get just Jackson, Katinji Brown Jackson, push through, and she's going to be pushed through. Now they know they can get her. They want to get the other steadfast conservative out of the way so they can put somebody else that's maybe even more of an activist than she is. If you have any doubt about it, I mean, to me, if if you're the average American, you probably did not watch, did not hear much of the hearing where the Senate Judiciary Committee makes a decision. I started off today's podcast with this little bitty soundbite right here with Marsha Blackburn asking Judge Jackson a very simple question. I'll play it again right here just for context. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Now, I talked about when this was said a few days ago about how there are several legal situations where you have to be able to define what a woman is. So if you can't offer up at least a legal definition, a definition that exists in case law, then you have no business sitting on the court at all, let alone on the highest court of the land. But the most damning response that she got, as far as I'm concerned, didn't come from questioning from Marsha Blackburn. It didn't come from questioning from Ted Cruz. It didn't come from Jason Hawley, all of which made strong and powerful arguments of why she should never get to set on a federal court ever. But it came when Dick Durbin asked what was supposed to be a friendly question. It was supposed to be a setup. But almost nobody paid attention to what she actually said. They talked about what the role of the judiciary is in comparison to the role of the legislature. And again, the left with this great juxtaposition sat here and talks about how it is the job of the legislature to pass the laws and to establish when necessary the sentencing guidelines. But then she goes on to say that when those sentencing guidelines or when those laws are outdated or antiquated, haven't been uh, dealt with, when the legislature doesn't do their job in the field, then it becomes her job to correct the errors. So in essence, she basically said that, well, it's kind of your job except when it isn't. Well, it's supposed to be up to you, and I'm supposed to do what you've laid out unless it's been deemed unconstitutional. But when, in my opinion, you haven't done your job, I'm going to correct your lack of uh, doing your job by stating things and doing things the way that it should be. Again, in my opinion. Not based on the law, not based on the Constitution, not based on precedent, but based on what my activist mentality tells me I should do. Now, again, you may say, that's not what she said to me. Well, I dare you to go back and listen. I dare you. I double-dog dare you to go back. So the key becomes 
how do we get rid of Clarence Thomas? And then they, they thought they had a way out. They thought that maybe maybe something bad was going to happen to Clarence when, when Judge Thomas was, uh, was in the, uh, the uh, hospital. They, they were all excited. They were doing their usual mean tweets and so very happy because they thought they were going to, oh, no, this is good. Now, now we get to pick another one. And the folks that are running the show right now, they did such a good job picking a, a Black Lives Matter Incorporated approved activist who's soft on kitty porn and doesn't think that the uh, the guidance, the sentencing guidelines should apply. And it seems to think that much like a certain guy who was peddling books on The View the other day who I just I still getting some heat, uh, some pushback because I talked about Elliot as being a, a a guy that he has the kind of personality that he's probably fun to hang around with if you can get past all the stupid he's promoting. But uh, I didn't put it like that, and so I'm still getting pushback. But the guy is a refugee from uh, a Don King hair salon, and uh, you know he kind of said that the uh, that the Constitution's kind of trash. Now, you say stuff like that, <clears throat> and suddenly I don't think that you're going to be that much to hang around with. You're not going to be that much fun to hang out with. You're not going to be somebody that I'm going to be able to get along with. If you embrace the victim mentality instead of the opportunity mentality that this country uh, manages to afford so many people, the whole time you're taking advantage of those opportunities, but you want to pretend like they don't exist. You know, like a person that's currently sitting on a federal court and who now thinks uh, they're going to get to sit on the Supreme Court. As somebody who's become a college professor and gets to be a regular on television and gets to write books, and constantly claims that people that look like him have no power in this country. Yeah. If you're somebody like that, then I'm probably not going to have a lot of fun hanging out with you because we're going to disagree, and you're probably going to say lots of things about me that aren't very nice. So these people, if, if you're going to sit on the Supreme Court, you need to not think that the Constitution's kind of trash. But that's what Kentanji thinks. Judge Jackson fully believes in the precepts of racial essentialism, fully believes in the idea of uh, gender theory from start to finish, fully believes in this notion that People of color have been held back and that the white people are all, all. We, we, we just can't help ourselves by virtue of being white. We are oppressionists. We will oppress you. We will oppress you. We will oppress. That's not somebody who should get to set on the Supreme Court. Because they either don't understand, legitimately don't understand how to define what a woman is, or... They're so intertwined with their political ideology that they're not going to be able to set that to the side, despite the fact that that's what the job requires. Being president does not require you to be a Catholic in good standing, but still ignore the fact that my faith says that the sanctity of life is important and that the murder of the preborn is a sin. Although good Catholic, creepy, handsy Uncle Joe says that he is a good Catholic that believes just that. Personally, I believe this, but as the president, I have to do this. Well, the Constitution doesn't demand that. 
Political life doesn't demand that separation. Your faith can inform your policies. It can inform your beliefs, your statements, and your stands. Now, that doesn't mean that you have the right to force things on people that don't share your belief, but it should still inform your policies. There should be an effort to protect the sanctity of life, period, end of discussion. If you are a human being, you should believe in the sanctity of life. If you don't believe in the sanctity of life, I have to question your humanity. I have to question it because legitimately humans care about the sanctity of life inherently. Oh, wait, but this, if this baby's born, it's going to be such an inconvenience to me. Sorry. There were other things you could have done to have prevented this from happening now, but guess what? Life is precious, and maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a reason that goes above and beyond the heads of mere mortals. I know, just, just a little philosophical thought. But yes, back to the, the crowd, the leftists. They, they want to impeach Clarence Thomas. Why? Because he's the guy now who's primarily standing in their way. But they don't care what Clarence Thomas's wife said or did. They just need an excuse. They have to go after him. Like I said, Jonathan Turley, he said that their call for impeaching him, it's indicative of a raging impeachment addiction. The demand for Justice Thomas's impeachment, well, it came about because of these texts that were sent by his wife to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, basically encouraging Meadows to fight for former President Donald Trump and claiming that the 2020 presidential election had been rife with fraud. Why? Well, I, I don't think that's an illegitimate statement. But whether you believe that or not, it's certainly not grounds for me to be removed from the radio if that was my wife saying it and I never did. But the left would have that happen. Unless I was all pro Biden, all, all about how Biden's great. Then they would ignore me raping people on the streets in broad daylight. They would ignore me beheading people uh, in the town square. They would find reasons to excuse that behavior as long as I was on their team. But the instant, the second I move, deviate one inch away from the approved position, well, then suddenly I'm going to have to go. Now, critics, of course, are arguing that Justice Thomas should have recused himself in matters related to the 2020 election, in particular, the investigation into the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill. Because of his wife's alleged, and this time I'm not just putting air quotes there, uh, I think this is a legitimate case of using the word alleged because of his wife's alleged ties to the event. Clarence Thomas's wife, for her part, said that she had attended the beginning of the Stop the Steal rally, but had left before Trump spoke because it was cold. So she wasn't there to the end, and she didn't go over to the uh, Capitol riot. We have individuals who seem to think they're making a strong argument. I have an individual here. Uh, Mahid Hassan, one of the uh, lefties over at MSNBC, 
wrote an op-ed at MSNBC and said, quote, I have a question for Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats. Why haven't you impeached Clarence Thomas yet? Then bragged, I made the case in a new MSNBC op-ed using historical precedent and basic political common sense for why Dems should impeach Justice Thomas. Now, first of all, I'm going to have to ask the question, is there such a thing as basic political common sense, especially among the political left? I mean, you can't make sense of all their many juxtapositions. How on earth can you actually say it's simple common sense? It's an animal that barely exists in this culture as it is anymore, certainly not in the realm of the body politic. Turley, however, who did, just as an FYI, in case you've forgotten, served as a witness in the first impeachment trial of then-President Donald Trump. Well, he argued that the push to impeach Justice Thomas, especially over alleged actions taken by his wife, was indicative of a culture enamored with impeachment rather than justice. Quoting here, the calls for Justice Thomas' impeachment are entirely disconnected from any constitutional or logical foundation. Rather, the Thomas controversy shows how the impeachment mantra has become a raging impeachment addiction. No, Justice Thomas did not commit an impeachable act. Now, Turley also went on to, uh, to write in an article... <clears throat> it is often said that if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. In modern American politics, it often seems like the only tool is impeachment, and every controversy instantly becomes a high crime and misdemeanor. Donald Trump was impeached not once but twice. Not long after Justice Brent Kavanaugh was confirmed, Democrats like then-Senator Kamala Harris and Senator Elizabeth Warren demanded his impeachment. Others demanded the impeachment of Attorney General Bill Barr and cabinet members. Associate Justice Clarence Thomas is only the latest addition to that ever-lengthening list. In reality... The calls for his impeachment are entirely disconnected from any constitutional or logical foundation. Rather, the Thomas controversy shows how the impeachment mantra has become a raging impeachment addiction. Now, that's the whole section that covers that. Now, uh, Ilhan Omar said to Hansen, Responding on Twitter, of course. Uh, the most ironic may be Barbara Boxer, who organized the challenge to the certification of George W. Bush's victory. She argued that Republicans stole the election. Now, again, this was Hurley talking about uh, listing several other people, including Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. These are other people who had called for his impeachment. Now, Turley concluded by arguing that to allow the pursuit of impeachment with regard to Justice Thomas on the ground suggested by the left 
would be to open the door for future justices to be impeached at will as the balance of power shifted. The calls for the impeachment of Justice Thomas are ludicrous, but there is nothing laughable about the impeachment addiction fueling this frenzy. Impeaching Thomas, based on these grounds, would expose all justices to the threat of impeachment as majorities shift in Congress. So there's a lot of repetition there, and I do want to correct because I realized that I said that the uh, most ironic part being from Barbara Boxer, I was crediting that to Ilhan Omar, but that was still Turley, uh, where he was talking about Barbara Boxer and then also talked about Ilhan Omar and then this Hanson guy, the earlier tweet. Uh, So I want to make sure that correction is clear. I got a little ahead of myself with what I was saying. Wanted to throw in Elhan Omar any chance I get. That's basically what that comes down to. But yeah, that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. That That's the tragic aspect of what we see is when the left has really nothing to come after you for, uh, then they want to impeach you. And they want to impeach you based on something they've made up rather than something that's legit. Why? They can't help themselves, first and foremost. They they can't stand anymore. Their Their patience is gone used to be that the globalist leftist agenda was one of the most patient agendas that existed. They felt like it was only a matter of time till this whole notion, this whole idea of individual liberty would burn itself out, that eventually it would lead to chaos, and the chaos would eventually lead back to them getting to control things. But what they didn't realize is that there were a lot of people who were moral enough that they could stand as individuals, and still stand together as a group would need be and embrace the blessings that come from liberty, that were willing to take on the hardships of the wilderness, willing to face the trials and tribulations of life with themselves and their families and their friends and neighbors, and that their friends and neighbors were willing to stand with them. So their patience has come to an end. That's why we see them out in the open now trying to push everything they can. They honestly believe they were past the tipping point when they managed to get Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama into the White House. They really believed it. They were past the tipping point. Democrats were never losing again, and we were on the quick express lane to total and complete leftist globalist domination. The new world order was set. The World Economic Forum didn't need to worry about the Great Reset because it was about to be reset anyway. America as a republic was done. Except they found out there's still a few of us that believe in those founding principles. That want what's best for individuals. That want to have a nation that is for the people by the people, and by the grace of God will stand as a shining beacon for the rest of the world. We believe in those things. We believe in taking the steps to get us closer to fulfilling the prophecy, all those promises of the founding documents, promises to eventually get to equality, not equity, but equality. It can be done when everybody puts aside 
those little things that make us different and realize that most of us still have way more in common than we have that keeps us separate. That most of us have dreams that require the system to work fairly for everyone. If we can do that, then we can't be stopped. The globalists, the political leftists here and everywhere else around the world, they have no power. The Chinese, nope. The Russians, nope. North Koreans, nope. The globalist forces that want to create a one world, new world order, no. Freedom and liberty will reign supreme as long as enough of us stick together. And that's what we got to do. So, will you join me? Will you stand with me? In the name of freedom and liberty. Let's take that mid-hour break, and when we get back, we'll get that last segment out of the way. Stay right where you're at. I'll be right back. and counting. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. The one thing that thugs and law-abiding sovereign Americans have in common is for the most part we all want to keep living. But unfortunately, in far too many American cities, criminal thuggery has increased dramatically, primarily because leftist-oriented government officials have in many cases almost given permission to thugs to wreak havoc, like the homeless thug in Seattle who threw a woman down a flight of stairs near the Amazon headquarters. The thug who tossed the Seattle woman down the stairs had 22 previous criminal offenses, most of them against other people. Leftist Democrat mayors are on a madman mission to help George Soros and other globalist pigs create a chaotic environment, hoping that sovereign Americans will throw up their hands and demand a national police force. But thank goodness everyone hasn't gone to Nutsville. Take the Republican-dominated House legislature. An example in Ohio, they passed a bill signed by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine that allows people to carry concealed firearms without government permit. 
which makes it easier for sovereign individuals to defend themselves against knuckle-dragging thugs. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Break it down in layman's terms. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Right here, right now, there is no other place I want to be. Right here, right now, watching the world wake up from history. Anything to report? Uh, successful dump. Dropped everything at the dump. It all worked out. And by the way, I got a second load. Guys, come in. Anybody wants to help me unload? My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. My mother and father believed. Look, John's last-minute economic plan does nothing to tackle the number one job facing the middle class. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter word, jobs. J-O-B-S. Job. Joe, you want to administer the oath? Am I doing this again? For the senior senior staff. staff. All right. A number of cabinet members have already. (laughs) My memory is not as good as Justice Roberts. Chief Justice Roberts. Does does anyone have the... No, I... (laughs) And thank you, uh... Dr. Pepper, and thank you, Chancellor, or Dr. Paper, and thank you, Chancellor. But the Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I got to get this straight. Welcome. To another edition of Thunderdome! Thunderdome's simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. Is not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. It's a dream. We all play All righty, ladies and gentlemen, I am back, and uh, I'm here to tell you there are some of us that will not kneel. I don't care how many times somebody shows up. 
and says that there's no other alternative, that there is no better way. There are some of us who never will. Now, maybe, like in my case, it's just because it's too dadgum hard to get back up. <laughs> but there are many others that will do so on principle and principle alone, I swear to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get back into the action, uh, at least one more story. I might try to sneak another one in. I'm getting better time than I thought. I do want to go ahead and uh, remind everybody there is an upcoming book giveaway. Uh, A.J. Rice's uh, upcoming brand new book. It's uh, out in July. It's called The Woking Dead. It is going to be well worth your effort. There will be a link in the show description that will allow you to go to the pre-order page on Amazon. I highly recommend you go ahead and visit the page if you haven't already. Uh, see what the book's about and then decide for yourself if maybe you might want to go ahead and pre-order. By pre-ordering, you'll have a tremendous opportunity to send a strong message to the globalist leftists around the world and the uh, leftist politicians here in the United States, as well as to Amazon itself. It lets them know how many of us really do want strong conservative content and that we're willing to go to great lengths to have it, and that if they want to continue to do business and make the kind of money they have been making, they're going to need conservative dollars just as much as any other dollars. Uh, so maybe, instead of trying to silence all of us, uh, they should get on board with this idea that uh, we all have an equal place on the platform. And speaking of silencing and platforms, uh, the last story that I guaranteed we'd get to today is uh, the story that's been going around all weekend. Uh, a lot of folks, it started, uh, I think, I first, first heard about it on Thursday of uh, this past week. But Elon Musk has been hinting all day, and he started hinting strongly on Saturday, that he may very well go ahead and launch a brand new social media platform in an effort to take on Twitter. This, of course, was after suggesting that Twitter, quote, fundamentally undermines democracy. End quote, because it does not protect freedom of speech. Now, this is not a new concept to most of us conservatives. We've been fighting with this on all social media platforms for a while, including the ones that claim to be conservative or uh, doesn't claim conservatism, but does claim full and total free speech. There are still limits, and usually it's conservative speech that gets flagged far more frequently. But if you're somebody like myself, uh, okay, I'm shadow banned on Twitter. I'm not actually banned, but I'm a shadow banned. Very few people get to see uh, my Twitter feed, either for the show or for my personal. If you're one of the folks that's seen it, thank you. And, uh, uh, you know, I would ask that you uh, do little things that help trick the algorithm over there, like liking, retweeting, and commenting, news things help to force the algorithm to share it a little more. Same thing over at Facebook. I'm shadow banned essentially there as well. I've been throttled back so badly where I used to be able to just make a simple statement. And I would get thousands of interactions. Now, for most of what I do, I'm fortunate to break into double digits. Facebook has gone dead. And I still get messages from people on Facebook all the time that are like, why don't we ever see you posting anymore? It's like, I don't know. I'm still posting quite a bit. Uh, now, there have been a few weeks since the numbers have dropped where I don't waste a whole lot of time over there anymore. But uh, still will pop in to see what other folks are doing. Uh, I still get plenty of 
stuff on my newsfeed from other people. So, you know, it just doesn't seem to be going both ways. So I'm shadow banned. So a lot of us have had this issue ongoing. But the idea that Twitter doesn't protect freedom of speech, oh my. Uh, you'd think a guy who created uh, Starlinks and uh, the Tesla motor cars would have been hip to this information a lot earlier. How can you be that far cutting in technology and that far behind the story of Twitter? Anyway, Musk, Musk went ahead. Elon Musk went ahead and conducted uh, some informal polls on Twitter, basically trying to put a thumb in the eye of Twitter while he was at it, evidently. But he did this back on Friday. Uh, first poll said free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Now, more than 2 million people responded to the Musk poll. And 70.4% of them said that Twitter does not adhere to this principle. Now, what I would like to know is what the nearly 30% of other people that responded thought. I mean, was there a third category? Is either yes or no, isn't it? Was there a third category that said, uh, I'm too stupid to know what Twitter's doing? Uh, <laughs> and bottom line is that should have been uh, either no, they don't, or I'm too stupid to know what Twitter's doing. Because clearly, that's what anybody who thought Twitter does adhere to free speech does. But anyway, Musk continued saying the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. Elon followed up the poll on Saturday, writing, quote, Given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? Is a new platform needed? Uh, there were commentators that said things ranging from buy Twitter, telling Elon to just take over. Uh, others said, if you're a leftist making death threats against conservatives or organizing riots, Twitter respects your freedom of speech. Twitter also respects the freedom of speech for media hoaxes, like when they, uh, when a majority of outlets framed an innocent Covington high school kid. Now, Musk conducted another informal poll on Twitter on Thursday in which he had asked if Twitter's algorithm should be open source. Now, this kind of goes with it, proves that he's been thinking about this for a minute or two. Now, more than 1.1 million people responded to that poll, with 82.7% saying, yes, the Twitter algorithm should be open source. Musk continued by saying, quote, I'm worried about the de facto bias in the Twitter algorithm having a major effect on public discourse. How do we know what's really happening? Now, of course, Musk recently came out and objected to the censoring of Russian media outlets in response to Russia's invasion to the Ukraine. He said, quote, Starlink has been told by some governments, not Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do so unless at gunpoint. Sorry to be a free speech absolutionist. Uh, don't apologize. Now, why is it that it takes a South African-born American 
to actually stand up for American principles. Anyway, Musk also said last week that SpaceX's Starlink satellite broadband service was now available in Ukraine with more terminals en route. This, of course, was following a request from the Ukrainian government. But uh, here's the real question. What are we needing? What are we looking at? I mean, does Elon Musk simply see a, a new opportunity given that the launch of Truth Social is actually already began, but there's still a lot of folks on the waiting list, and it's still essentially in beta at the moment. At least that's my understanding. It's not readily available for Androids yet. You've got to jump through some hoops to be able to get it downloaded on your phone because the app stores are still trying to cancel the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. But I already talked about the situation with the two most predominant for adult social media platforms, that being Facebook and Twitter. Obviously, Instagram is fallen out of favor amongst the young and, you know, it's kind of that mid-age crowd that have left Facebook but uh, still aren't quite hip enough for TikTok. I talk a lot about Gab and Spreely and uh, Clout Hub and uh, MeWe on this platform. I, I talk a lot about those guys and... Obviously, Parler is uh, big on there as well. And, you know, I have a presence on all those and Minds.com as well. And and my presence is minuscule across the board, though, because the numbers are still kind of limited. I mean, there's lots of people there now, but the interactions are, well, they're still not the same. And there are still efforts to do a certain amount of, uh, well, we'll just call it, publishing and editing of the content that's available. Now, there are there are plenty of alternatives now to social media. And if you're on a platform that you really enjoyed that is other than those big two, then congratulations. Although it seems silly not to include TikTok now. Now, TikTok's not something that I'm ever going to uh, get involved with. And it's not just because it's young and hip and whatever. It's because it's still a majority-owned Chinese company. Uh, we're doing enough to self-surveil and help the the big brother globalist unification front to, to do whatever. We don't need to turn over all our personal information to China, too. I try to be very limited on what I post, and it's mostly uh, these days in particular. It's either links to... The podcast version of the show over from Spreaker with a quick reminder that you can go to iHeartRadio. You can go to uh, to everywhere else. Just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find the show. You can go anywhere, and I would love for you to go to Stitcher. Uh, on Stitcher now, finally, the algorithm started working right on both sides, so if you find my show there, I would ask for you. You'll see a double listing because once upon a time, way back in the day, uh, when this show first started, I kind of started out on BTR over at Blog Talk Radio. And uh, 
then later I found Spreaker and uh, well, actually I started on uh, Spreaker, and then I found Blog Talk Radio, and I liked Blog Talk Radio's ease of use for a switchboard in order to have guests come on. But in the earliest days of the program, I actually was doing uh, one show during the week where I would go like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then I would do one show over on Blog Talk Radio on Sundays that covered different stuff. And I would rehash some of the stuff that I talked about earlier in the week, but still was mostly new stuff. So it was like there were two separate shows. Now, as of last week, they finally started uh, updating the Spreaker side again <laughs> over on Stitcher.com. So if you're a Stitcher listener... I would ask that you actually listen and subscribe to the one that has my picture because that's coming from uh, from Spreaker, and that one is monetized. So it actually helps to support the show. If you listen to that, it just means you got uh, a little bit of an ad to listen to. Now, if you want to skip the ads and just get the uh, general show, then uh, stay with the uh, BTR version. Now, the BTR version has a close-up on an American flag. Uh, as the primary picture. But anyway, all that is just uh, for your benefit. The point of the matter is that doing these various platforms, no matter how you go about trying to share your content, no matter how you go about trying to uh, offer up information, it's almost a waste of time if you're a conservative and you're trying to use Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you really are better off on Instagram, and I really need to work on improving my effort over there. There's great opportunities when you can find like-minded folks over at MeWe. Uh, at Minds.com, there's a pretty big, large, open forum of people that probably are not primarily conservative, but they are the true liberals. So they believe in the freedom of expression, and as long as you're not you in genuine hate speech, something that the majority of us would recognize as such, then uh, there's a lot of tolerance for you over there. Uh, I like Gab. I didn't at first, but I've come to enjoy it. It's basically a lot like Twitter, only they don't try to ban you for having a controversial opinion. I do really, really like uh, Clout Hub. I do wish the the way the characters' permissions was a little bit better, but uh, I, I do like a lot of the folks over there, too. I probably have a little more interaction with those folks, uh, even the ones that don't necessarily like what I'm doing. But, you know, that's, that's where we're at. Where are we at when it comes to social media? I know a lot of folks are really excited about uh, Truth Social, especially if you're one of the folks that's already on there. I've heard nothing but good things from the few folks that are there. They're really enjoying it. A lot of them have been able to get uh, friend requests and ex their friend requests accepted by Donald Trump directly or so, whoever's running his account. And for all I know, since he did do all of his own tweeting, he may very well be doing all of his own uh, posts over there, too. I think that would make it more authentic and much, much better and would attract even more folks. I, I don't know how he's got it set up. All I know is I keep getting emails asking me for money fundraiser and they'll keep mentioning true social like uh, somehow i'm supposed to help launch that as say eh, no no too many other things to spend my money on but where are you at 
What I would like to, you to do, here's some of your homework for today. And this is also partially going to be so I can help finalize the rules for the big book giveaway. I would love for you to, uh, to reach out to me, to look me up on uh, various social platforms. And just, uh, you know, post on my, on my page, on my wall, whatever. Uh, if you're still primarily on Facebook, uh, then just send a post saying, hey, I listened to Tap Into the Truth today. Same thing over at Twitter. Uh, you can do it to either my personal or to the show's page, and you can find it, Tap Into the Truth. And, and if you're over at MeWe, if you're at Gab, if you're at Spreely, uh, if you're at Parlor, wherever you may be, what, whatever your primary, your preferred social media site is, uh, look for me. You'll be able to recognize me because my profile picture is pretty much the same. It's the show, uh, show uh, page here. And, uh, you know, just say, hey, I listened to Tap Into the Truth today. That's all I need to know because that's going to help me determine which platforms uh, are going to be best for the promotions for the giveaway. So if you guys will help me out with that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Meanwhile, I guess I'm going to have to leave it there. But I do love the fact that Elon Musk is taking it to Twitter while on Twitter and still not violating any of the community rules at all so that they have no room to try to remove him. That is fantastic. All right, so uh, like I said, that's going to have to be it for tonight, so please don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, if you can, stay safe, stay healthy, and, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. This is Tim Tap. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, huh? Let's go, Using both hands Founders knew the second amendment Was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact So we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Government that fears your guns. 